Rink-wide Vancouver as the Canucks see their three-game win streak come to an end on a special teams Saturday night at Rogers Arena. The New York Rangers leave town with a 4-3 victory. The Rangers have won four in a row. The Canucks, as we said, see their win streak come to an end, but they do pick up a single point on a night where seven goals scored at the rink and only one of them five on five. It's Jeff Patterson. It's Matt Sakaris. It's rink-wide, and it's a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. And Matt, a lot to talk about, lots of talking points. And I know the people that were in the rink and those that watched at home, uh, they're going to be left shaking their heads about a non-call in overtime. Canucks carrying the play in overtime. They had their chances. That's the danger of this three-on-three overtime. You create great A's, you better capitalize because if you don't, pretty good chance the other team's going to go the other way, especially when the other team is a team as loaded and stacked offensively as the New York Rangers. Well, a very active night downtown Vancouver here, Jeff, at the Wall Center on Hornby Street. A lot of people in costume <laughs> prior to Halloween. I saw a Jedi. I saw a Ghostbuster. I saw a Minion. I saw Harry Potter. And I saw three blind mice. Did you? Ah, yeah, Appropriate, because I, I, you and I are old enough to remember when the absolutely. organist would get on the officials, when we had organists in the National Hockey League with the three blind mice theme. Really, the officials tonight, not that blind through the first 60 minutes. There were a lot of calls in this hockey game. And yet the big one, the one we'll all be talking about, is the missed call, the Kreider trip on Pedersen in overtime, which allows the Rangers to exit the zone, come back, and of course... Of course, score the game winner with Kreider setting up Keandre Miller. So, yeah, the fans were upset there, and they have a right to be. That's just a missed call that costs your team one point. Yeah, we always hear it uh, usually in the playoffs about referees not wanting to decide outcomes, but if you don't make a call that's there, that's exactly it. you are deciding an outcome. Canucks, I think, can take some solace in the fact that they take three of four in their first two games back off the lengthy road trip. They were dominant on Friday against the St. Louis Blues. We broke that down on our last rink-wide. And here, they had their opportunities. And we'll get into the special teams because there's just so many different ways to approach what we saw when you talked about all the calls, uh, the fact that two of the Ranger goals came five on three. They also scored a conventional power play goal. And then Keandre Miller, one times the winner, and that's a three-on-three goal. So the Canucks don't give up a five-on-five goal in this hockey game. In fact, Carson Soucy was the only guy to score when teams were at even at full strength. And that was the goal that the Canucks needed to tie the game. So Canucks were down with under six minutes to go. That's a good single point for them to pick up in the standings because this Ranger team hasn't, they haven't been giving up anything on this road trip. They shut out the Oilers the other night. That's maybe not a huge feat the way Edmonton is listing these days, but they'd given up one in Calgary, one in Seattle uh, as they worked their way through the Pacific Northwest and Western Canada. And Igor Shesterkin picks up the victory here. Casey DeSmith takes defeat for the first time and again found himself in a shooting gallery at times. Hard to blame the goaltender when he gives up a pair of two-man advantage goals in this hockey game. So, again, lots to get to. And really, the last thing the Canucks needed at the tail end of their first back-to-backs of the season was more hockey. And so uh, they were pushed, playing a little uh, bonus hockey here into overtime. I didn't think that they looked fatigued. I didn't think, and it's early in the season, they are energized by the early season success they've had. They're at home. They sleep in their own beds. I didn't think the back-to-backs were any sort of factor as this hockey game rolled Well, I, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot 
going on, uh, to be frank. Through two periods, I was sitting there contemplating another low event request after a low event hockey game. But look, uh, you mentioned Shesterkin. He's one of the best goaltenders in the world. He makes 30 saves tonight, and he was splendid for the New York Rangers. And as you note, they have been very good defensively through this road trip. You can look at it and say down 3-2, get an equalizer, get yourself a point. Of course, they're also up 2-1. You're right. Yep. Early in the third period with a shorthanded Back goal. the midway mark of the third. Yeah. Yep. From Tyler Myers, of all people. <laughs> and in, in fact, uh, when I heard it was his fifth shorthanded goal of his career, it got me digging. And I, uh, with some help from our friends at TSN who sent out a tweet, uh, Lume was six as the Canucks all-time leader. Matias Olin has five. Myers has three as a Canuck, but five total. And he's actually second amongst active players for shorthanded goals. Uh, however, eight behind Mark Giordano, who has wow. 13 on his career. The leader all-time, Mark Howe, with 28 shorthanded goals for a defenseman, which is just mind-blowing stuff. So Shesterkin is good. They have the 2-1 lead. Tyler Meyer scores of all people shorthanded. It must be the Canucks night, right? Well, didn't turn out that way. The other thing I'll note about this, and you did a great job of outlining this all of last year as the Canucks struggled. Jeff, five times last year, they had a three-game winning streak with a chance to get it to four. Four separate times they missed. They had a five-game winning streak right. last year. It was the longest of the season. Late in the year, yeah. Right, in March, early March. They had four three-game winning streaks. So I was sitting there looking at it going, wow, if they win tonight four in a row, which would be the second longest uh, winning streak of the last two years. Uh, alas, they don't get it done, but they get a point. They get to double digits in points now uh, over the course of the season, 10 points in seven games. And um, again, with, you know, certain things breaking right for them on the out-of-town scoreboard, and we'll see what happens tomorrow in the Battle of Alberta. But, uh, yeah, I think they do feel pretty good about three out of four with the Nashville Predators coming in here on Tuesday. Yeah, and look, they manage this loss. Like, they get a single point. You're right, it cuts both ways. They had the lead, then they were trailing. Whatever the case, they get something out of a game, and their other losses is their first trip to overtime, so... Other losses have been regulation losses. The game in Tampa, where they pushed to the end and they got the goaltender out, came up a goal short in that one. They didn't deserve any points out of the game in Philadelphia. But uh, here, you know, it's funny. This was a chess match through 40 minutes that turned into uh, sort of a home run derby, if you will, in the third period where they just traded haymakers. and, And again, a lot of it coming with the special teams. This is... A bit of a new wrinkle for this year's Canucks and really since Tockett took over because he harps so much on things like line changes and hustling to the bench and yeah, too many men penalty, a puck over the glass penalty. Yeah. Phil DiGiuseppe gets his stick up into the face of Zibanejad, self-inflicted to mm-hmm. quite a degree for the Vancouver Canucks in this hockey game. Yeah, and let me correct myself, 11 points through eight games now right. with the uh, overtime uh, loss point. No, so, uh, self-inflicted... Uh, to be sure, but overall, I didn't necessarily think this was a bad effort from the Vancouver Canucks. I think there are things that Rick Tockett will take from this game, at least Pedersen with a career high of ice. So, you know, we are going to have to start monitoring the sustainability of the ice time that they're loading on their stars here. And I'm sure we'll get into the bottom six and the support players here, support players here in a bit, but 
you know, all things considered, it was a highly entertaining third period in overtime. You know, it sounded like Rogers Arena had some uh, some good energy and some good vibes. Again, this evening, I was at the game last night, and it was a terrific, obviously, in a 5 nothing win. The crowd is pretty hyped up. So with one game left to go in October, Jeff, to be 5-2-1, and one, that's somewhat job done here. They did not get buried early. In fact, um, quite the contrary. They're uh, not in the driver's seat because, of course, Vegas, but they're in a very good spot at the end of the season, uh, at the uh, end of the first month of the season here yeah, after it, Tuesday, it, it regardless is, of what happens Tuesday. Sure, and, and at this time, last year through eight games, and at some point we'll let last year lie in the past, but they were 1-5-2, and two, so here they are 5-2-1. and one. I mean, it really is a complete reversal of fortune. Just want to go sort of through some of those penalties that put the Canucks in the predicament they're in. And obviously penalty kill is going to be something that we monitor and we watch here. They were under siege against the Oilers in the game in Edmonton, game two of the season. Tampa uh, scored a couple of power play goals against them. uh, And that was the difference in that hockey game. And here the Rangers go three for six. As we said, two of them coming with two man advantages. Dakota Joshua gets called for roughing on Jacob Truba, kind of tackled him. Uh, after Truba had been uh, fingered for working Elias Pettersson. And so the Canucks had the first power play of the night, didn't do anything with it. And I don't know if Joshua was looking for payback or trying to send a bit of a message that you can't rough up Elias Pettersson, but he basically tackled Jacob Truba. And we know (laughs) Truba likes to play the game rough and tough. Mm -hmm. And the Canucks are fine at that point. I mean, it's a five-on-four power play, and we'll see what happens. Again, the Rangers have a ton of top-end talent, and it was on display. But then Philip Aronik, who has been so good for the Canucks, and I don't expect that this is going to be something that happens with any regularity, but puck rolls to Casey to Smith. He turns it aside for Heronic on his forehand mat with all yeah. day. And puck just kind of got caught on his stick and it floated on him up over the glass and out of play. And so instead of just killing a conventional penalty, now you're down two men for a minute and five seconds. And that's when Timmy Panarin opened the scoring with a wrist shot through traffic. So that was a bit of a tough one for the Canucks because uh, it's amazing how often those uh, puck-over-the-glass penalties come back to bite. And then we also talked about uh, Phil Giuseppe, who's obviously been a terrific part of this start for the Vancouver Canucks individually, collectively, doing his job, making this team, getting opportunities, a former Ranger himself. And unfortunately for him, the stick gets up on Zibanejad, draws some blood. We saw him getting repaired over the bench. And so... Canucks are killing off a four-minute penalty at that point, and then too many men on top of that. Dakota Joshua jumps on as Elias Pettersson looked like he was going to the bench, and then Pettersson sort of zigged when he should have zagged towards the bench. And again, some mental mistakes that we haven't seen from the Canucks, whatever the case, against a team like the Rangers, they're going to make you pay, and and they did. Bronick with two assists. He's named the building's second star. Mm. We'll take that under advisement as we yeah. get to our rink-wide three stars uh, um, a little later on. You know, also going back to my previous points, Canucks out shoot the Rangers here in this game, 33-24, and we're... At evens, they did, they controlled play. They sure did, and um, that was after getting outshot in the first, so really the final 40 minutes in the overtime there, Vancouver was putting far more pucks on net. But I got to say, Jeff, I didn't have a single problem with any of the penalties called on the Vancouver Canucks tonight. It's a clear penalty on Dakota Joshua. Puck over glass, of course, is automatic. Sam Lafferty, that's a clear pick on Vincent Trocek. You have to call that. It's a clear high stick on Di Giuseppe and then another too many men on the ice penalty, which was probably closer 
than the previous too many men on the ice penalty against the Rangers earlier in the game, which was uh, evident to everybody in the building. So the Canucks have a huge gripe with the missed call in overtime. I don't think they have any gripe with the six penalties called against them tonight. No, I'd agree with you on that one. And I want to make it abundantly clear. They did a lot of really good things against a really good opponent. The St. Louis Blues were not a great opponent last night on Friday night at Rogers Arena. They looked like they were pretty happy with their 3-0 win in Calgary as they came in, and the Canucks were full value. The Canucks had 19 shots in the first period against the Blues. They had 16 shots through 40 minutes against a Rangers team, Matt, that hadn't allowed an opponent to reach 30 shots on goal yet this season. The Rangers, the stingiest team in terms of shots allowed in the National Hockey League. So the Canucks accomplished something that nobody else has done in the early going here. They got 33, and Shesterkin made a number of key saves. Six shots in overtime, and he stopped them all. Kuzmenko had a couple of opportunities. He had the breakaway as well. That's where I said, you know, you you rue the chances you have if you don't capitalize because uh, so often... Uh, If you don't score at one end, uh, the other team is going to make you pay. And that's what the Rangers ultimately did. But no, I liked a lot of what the Canucks did. And and let's just mention Elias Pettersson here. Not a huge night for him on the score sheet. um, But 27 minutes and three seconds on the second half of back-to-backs for Elias Pettersson. Again, this was a night that was filled with special teams. Both teams finished the night with six power play opportunities and then you go to overtime as well, and Pedersen had a couple of shifts, and ultimately he's out there for what turns into the game winner, but I'm not going to hold that against him because you know, we talked about the missed call on Kreider. But that is, his previous high was 25-17 in Nashville late last season. He goes 27-03, coming up on two full minutes yeah. more than his previous career high on the second half of back-to-backs. Uh, you know, I, I am going to uh, be interested to, to hear if talk gets asked about that and whether it was consciously uh, done, whether they were just going to ride Elias Pettersson tonight. And and look, for the most part, the schedule has not been too onerous. We nope. talked about that. This was the first set of back-to-back games. They had two nights off prior to coming back off the five-game road trip, and the five-game road trip didn't have huge asks in terms of travel and, and fatigue level. Boy, uh, when you look at the Rangers team and the Canucks getting three goals tonight, you know I, I think they got to feel reasonably pleased about the offensive output because if you tell me that the Rangers finish as the best defensive club in hockey this year, that's something I can buy with the with that goaltender and then the talent they have on this defense crew. Of course, Truba and Fox are sensational. Lindgren's a very underrated defensive. Player, he got the two first-round picks in Schneider and uh, Miller. And, you know, Gustafson's a a nifty defenseman as well, a little more offensive. So against one of the better defensive groups and defensive teams, I think they got to feel good about it. Poor Casey DeSmith. uh, Shorty called him Mr. Saturday Night at the beginning with the win over Florida, the win over Edmonton on the previous two Saturdays. He winds up being the losing goaltender here. I thought he was... Decent. Did you have any issue with any of the goals allowed from Casey DeSmith tonight? No, because I are, mean two of them are five on three. Yeah, the, the the Panarin one through traffic. It was a nice shot posted in, and then the winner. There's nothing he can do about mm-hmm. that one. I mean, that's just a big time one timer by Keandre Miller. And otherwise, I mean, at even strength, like you just go back to the numbers according to Natural Stat Trick, the Canucks controlling 58 percent of the shot attempts at even strength. The actual shots on goal at evens 
were 13-10 in the Canucks' favor. Scoring chances, Canucks held a slight edge there. And high danger chances, 5-on-5 in this game. The Canucks limited the Rangers to just three all night. So again, if you had stayed out of the penalty box, if you had played more of this game at 5-on-5, certainly it favored the Vancouver Canucks. But penalties happen, power plays happen, and... I remember when... Just the, not in overtime, Jeff. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I do remember, Matt, when the schedule came out, one of the things that really jumped out at me, aside from, okay, another early lengthy road trip that's going to take them all the way across the continent and all the back end loaded the nine-game homestand at the end, but it was back-to-back against the Oilers to start. The Oilers are back here on November the 6th as well. And I remember thinking, my goodness, like for a team that couldn't kill penalties to save its life last season, that's a test right there to see the Oilers three times early on. But more than that, in these first eight games, five of the eight opponents, two of them are Edmonton, five of the eight opponents had top 10 power plays in the National Hockey League last year. So the Canucks look better on the penalty kill. I know that's it may sound funny on a night where they give up three power play goals, but I do think when it's just a man short, there is more structure. They aren't giving up the middle of the ice, the cross seams, the backdoor kinds of plays. They were there because they were two man short on a couple of occasions in this hockey game. I see signs of progress, but my goodness, the overall percentage is going to take an absolute beating uh, after giving up three yeah. power play goals on this night. But And came in mid-pack, right, at yeah. 80%, 14. But mid-pack's a massive improvement. Oh, when yeah, no, of last. course, of course. But two against the Oilers, mm-hmm. Tampa, Florida, and this New York Ranger team, they all had top 10 power plays. And Tampa, you know, you look who scored the power play goals against the Canucks. Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, I think, Kucherov, mm-hmm. Panarin, Zabanajad. They're going to score power play goals. So, again, it's hard to sort of put them in silos here. Uh, Take the five-on-threes out. You can't. I mean, they were scored. But I do still think that there is progress being made here with this Vancouver Canucks penalty kill. It's just it's hard on a night like this to sort of bang that drum. Long way to go. Yep. Absolutely. Going to take some time. Working for all of those things, I think, ring true here. And the flip side is the Canuck power play. JT Miller deflection goal. When you wondered if the Canucks were going to get anything on Shesterkin, they needed that goal. I mean, with 36 minutes into the hockey game, you're nearing the end of the second. People are getting a little anxious in the building, and it really, a whole lot hadn't happened. So they score on the power play there, but they go one for six with the man advantage on the night. So the Rangers win the special teams battle. They ultimately win this hockey game. And for all the talk, too, about Uh, Who's going to be running the power play? Who's in charge? Are there too many cooks in the kitchen? There's a ton of movement. It looks good in a lot of moments, Mm -hmm. but one for six at the end of the night, one goal loss, that leaves you wanting. And um, it was the one in the third period, uh, if I'm not mistaken, where we were both sort of looking at each other going, boy, not a lot happening here uh, in a big spot for them. That all said, on the special teams ledger, I guess we have to count the shorty from Tyler Myers of all people. Yep. So uh, a couple of special teams goals tonight. The shorthanded well, unit ties the power. Shorthanded goals on consecutive nights. Yeah. So mm-hmm. You're right. Uh, and, of course, last year under Talkett, they seemed to specialize in the shorthanded goals with uh, Patterson and Miller getting more time on the penalty kill. We haven't mentioned them a lot recently because they've been winning. 
but you do wonder whether now they miss Teddy Bluger as one of their penalty killers. Remember, at the start of the year, we were without Susie. There was no McKayev. There was no Bluger. Those were three guys that we thought would be key members of the penalty kill. Uh, Bluger is the one that is still missing. The other two are back. In fact, Susie scores a goal tonight, and darn nice goal too. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, frankly, on that Susie goal, and you tell me because uh, you're the encyclopedia of Canucks games. Boy, do they seem to be doing a good job this year getting to the net front and screening goaltenders. There just seems to be a ton of traffic yep. in front of opposing goaltenders from the Vancouver Canucks. If this is something that's being preached by the coaching staff, well, message received because they seemingly always have guys in front of the net. There were a number of rebound chances tonight that I think on a different night, Jeff, you probably convert one of those. Brock Besser comes to mind. He had a really good opportunity off a rebound chance. So, yeah, there's some good things going on here with the Vancouver Canucks. The last the penalty kill tonight is not one of them. No. So... Back to the drawing board, a little bit on the penalty kill there. They've got Nashville coming in on Tuesday to round out the month of October. Which, like St. Louis, don't necessarily have a ton of firepower right. or creative folks. Yep, and the Canucks saw them on Tuesday, beat them 3-2, to two, and I would expect that that's probably the template you'd expect from Nashville. Uh, Predators went to overtime, beat the Leafs on Saturday night, so they'll come in feeling a little bit better about themselves, but... Yeah, they don't score an awful lot, and they certainly didn't generate a ton against the Canucks, but the Canucks were full credit at the end of the road trip uh, getting the victory in Music City. So Nashville in on Tuesday, and that'll wrap up the month of October. Uh, we've still got plenty to get to here. We'll get to the rink-wide Vancouver three stars. We've got the staff that stands out. Uh, I know you want to talk about the supporting cast, and so do I. We have to determine exactly mm -hmm. where this supporting cast is uh, with the Vancouver Canucks these days because they've been hard to find. Uh, but saying all of that, uh, the Canucks still have picked up 11 points uh, to this stretch or to this point in the season at 5-2-1. and one. And that makes them a lot better than the San Jose Sharks, oh, Jeff, who are 0-7-1 to start the season. Eight we, goals in eight games. We know they're going to get a win at some point, though. Every loss, seemingly, statistically at least, would bring them closer to a victory. So why not roll the dice tomorrow in Washington? Sharks plus 175 on your Bodog line of the day. Canucks fall 4-3 in overtime to the New York Rangers. Jeff and Matt with you. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one. Playoff football, BC Place. The Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them. The Dome will be rocking. Should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com. And check this out. They start at just 30 bucks, and kids 17 and under can get in for 15 So bring the noise. Fill the Dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today.
breaking down a 4-3 Rangers victory over the Vancouver Canucks Saturday night at Rogers Arena. The Canucks will try to get back on the beam and get another win streak going on Tuesday when Nashville is in town. Matt, let's get into the locker room and hear from the head coach, or at least get to the podium down at the Rodge and hear from Rick talking. I'm curious to get his take. He's usually a pretty animated guy and often has uh, a little nugget or two in uh, whatever it is that uh, he has to say and the way that he sees things in this hockey game. And I know that uh, he was asked, and we talked a lot in that opening segment, about the penalty kill. The coach was asked about uh, the work of his penalty killers in the overtime loss to the Rangers. Penalty kill's been good all year. They had two five-on-threes. They're, they're a great team. I don't care about that. I'm proud of our team. They played their balls off today. And uh, long road trip, come back, beat St. Louis. I thought we deserved better tonight. We, we gave nothing other than the... The two five on three, so uh, I hope the guys take a nice relaxing day tomorrow. They deserve it. Well, he says they deserve a day off tomorrow, and they played back to back. So I think that was a scheduled day off, a little overtime, as we said. So playing some extra hockey mm-hmm. here against the Rangers, they played their balls off. Yeah. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hope they find those balls for Tuesday. Um, Any and no coach is going to sewer a team for five on three goals against. No. So. Yeah, I, I mean, um, a predictable answer, I thought, there, and and one, frankly, that, uh, you know, I think uh, Taka was just being honest. The other thing, and, you know, we're going to hear more here from the head coach in a bit, really, we wondered, especially with that story last year of talking on the street corner after the loss in Seattle, right. and, you know, and then the effort in Philadelphia and how he blistered them after that one, we wondered, okay, how many times is he going to go to that well? How emotional is he going to be in these post-game press conferences? Because he's a, a guy who can run hot. Mm-hmm. And really, I've heard a lot of building his team up, even after defeats, since that Philadelphia game. So I think if you're a player in the Vancouver Canucks room right now, you got to be saying to yourself, you know, coach has been fair with us. Like when we've not been good, He's been honest about it with fans and media. And really, when we've put the effort in, regardless of the result, he's been process-oriented and he's been praiseworthy in his post-game remarks. He had to hustle to the podium because he was the special guest on After Hours on uh, on Hockey Night in Canada mm-hmm. as well. Uh, he was asked after the hockey game, just uh, uh, we talked about uh, you know which way you come at it. Uh, you had a 2-1 lead in the third period. You're also down 3-2. Obviously, he was choosing to take the positive approach here and the fact that they forced overtime at the very least and got a single point out of this one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's 82 games, right? You're going to have these type of games where, you know, things happen. So, um, but I like the result with the team. I really do. I mean, scoring that, you know, it's 3-2. to two, We could have hung our hat, been mad, but, uh, you know, Seuss with a big goal for us. Fans were into it, so overtime was great. So that's the way I look at it right now. So yeah, he's seeing the Carson Susie goal and the crowd mm-hmm. getting into it and all those types of things, and uh, and they and, were. And, and um, he also got asked about goals from defense. Two more tonight with Myers and Susie coming yeah. off Quinn Hughes's two goal night last night. I mean, Jeff, one of the things that we have tracked here oh during this decade in <laughs> despair of despair, how little production they get from the defense group, and that's even been with Quinn Hughes. Um, that has been a much better part of their game this year. And Philip Ronick has made a difference in a large way. He has a two-point night tonight as well. 
Yeah, and Hronik hasn't found the back of the net yet, although he has registered the hardest shot yeah. uh, during the run of play. So I seven think assists too. Get, so I mean yep. that's. But seven goals in eight games, Matt. This is a team that was dead last in the NHL with 22 from their defensemen last mm-hmm. year. Only Ottawa with eight has scored more in the early going right. than the Vancouver Canucks. So that, again, and, is a massive turn. And especially... And Ottawa's winning a lot of the offensive when, categories these days. Right. But part of the reason the Canucks are 5-2-1 and one is their top-end guys have been terrific. But the supporting goals have come from defense, but they haven't come from the supporting cast. And so I, I do want to pick up on that as we go here, but I want uh, just to get back to the podium to hear from the coach one last time, because we said at five on five, they stayed out of the penalty box in this one. They they controlled this game and their five on five play is getting better. And the coach agreed when he was asked about just the overall performance. Yes, they lose this hockey game. They did get a single point in the loss, but the way the game and the way the game is trending for the Vancouver Canucks coach sees an awful lot to like in that regard. Uh, just chipping away. Like I said, after the Philly game, if you look at our games, we've just gotten better and better, believing what we're doing. Trying to, I think we're creating an identity here, around here. Um, there's some resolve, and, you know, everybody's contributing. You know, even that guys that don't get out there for eight minutes, they get out there and they're, they're doing something for us. So, uh, you know, um, it's nice. You know, I'm glad the guys, they need a day off tomorrow for sure. Again, mentioning that day off. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And- well, and the other thing we should note, he, I mean, he's got an opportunity here to sewer the officials, and he doesn't. Nope. Uh, John McIsaac and Michael Markovich, who did last night's game, are the two referees yep. tonight. Again, it's overtime. There are six skaters. The puck is right there. Pedersen is clearly tripped. I guess they had decided they were going to swallow their whistles in the overtime. I did wonder whether Talkett would, uh, you know, maybe – Take the fine tonight and let uh, and 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 let his tongue get the best of him, and you know maybe that helps you out in the next one, or maybe that helps you out the next time you get McIsaac or Markovic. If that happens in the third period and they lose by one, I think maybe you go down that road. But I think you keep that card in your back pocket for right. late. I think it's a little too soon to well to and, go off. There'll be nights. There will be some nights where he's frustrated. Uh, I'm sure he was frustrated with the non-call there, but. Again, his guys did a lot of good things. They get a single point, so they don't leave the building empty-handed, and I just don't know that he needed to. And maybe that and the story in The Athletic last week that the NHL basically That's right. called coaches on the carpet, showed them video of coaches behaving badly, and, and said, we don't want you criticizing officials, let alone doing so in the way that some of those clips portrayed. Uh, head coaches. So maybe that's in the back of his mind as well, but I like your answer as well, Jeff, because uh, right, you you do get a point here. It's something you can live with as opposed to if it happens in regulation and you don't take anything out of this hockey game. Well, let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver three stars of this hockey game. And I always like to go, uh, first of all, to the ones that were selected in the building. These were by Hockey Night in Canada, Mika Zibanejad. You mentioned Phil Heronik and, and or Terry Panarin or, and Terry Panarin. Um, I've got Zibanejad and Panarin as my first and third stars. I, I considered Heronik, who did have a couple mm-hmm. of assists. I'm going to put Elias Pettersson in there just because of that ice time. And he had a single point. He wasn't dominant, but he picks up another point. You know, there are only two guys in the National Hockey League at the end of Saturday that have more points yep. than Elias Pettersson. And so, again, not a banner night for him where, you know, he just hands down the best player on the ice. But he finishes with the 27.03. He does get an assist on the JT Miller goal. 
He had two shots on nine attempts, so wasn't for a lack of trying to put pucks at the net. The Rangers do such a good job, though, of stacking the the box in front of Shesterkin, making his life easier, and then, of course, he's there to make the saves that he's supposed to. Uh, but Elias Pettersson, I, I thought, was busy. There was that one chance in, I think it was in the second period, it was, where he came in on the left side, held on, held on, spotted Mikheyev at the back door, and Mikheyev had a glorious opportunity, but again, there was traffic in front, and Mikheyev ended up uh, with a shot that I think was blocked. I don't think it ever got to the net, but Elias Pettersson had his moments in this hockey game. Uh, when you play oh. 27-03, you would expect that uh, he would have some moments. So I've got him as the second star, so I go to Benajad. Pedersen and Panarin is the rink-wide Vancouver three-star. And I can abide that, Jeff. I mean, he's all over my notes tonight. There was a centering pass to Kuzmenko early in the first period, that 98, 99-mile-per-hour slap shot in the first period on the power play. Uh, You mentioned the second period, the second period chance with uh, Mikheyev. He has a chance even before that in the second period. And then, you know, the shorthanded chance with Miller in the third period. So, yeah, no, it was a terrific night for Elias Pettersson beyond just the one assist. And, you know, who knows what he might have done with the puck if he doesn't get tripped <laughs> in overtime. That could have yes. been the game-winning goal or that could have been setting up the game-winning goal. So, yeah, I, I can I can see uh, Pettersson. thought Fox was pretty good tonight as well. Yep. Um, I mean, he's a sensational player. There was a lot to choose from. There's a lot of star power. On yeah, the no, there was. At the right. uh, Zibanejad, for the record, had a goal and two assists. Uh, Panarin with one and one, and Fox had one and one as well. So Adam Fox certainly could have been in the mix there as well. And Shesterkin was pretty good. I mean, that's, he was. Yeah, absolutely. that was another yeah, candidate. But tonight. you just expect that from him most nights. So there you go. Those are the rink-wide Vancouver three stars. We'll get uh, our stat that stands out a little bit later on, but uh, talk it with all that talk about uh, days off. If people have a day off on Sunday, maybe a great chance to get to Applewood and take a car for a test spin. At Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey financed the 23 Rogue from 3.99%. Leaser financed the 23 or 24 Leaf from 6.99%. Then at Infinity in the Richmond Auto Mall, Lisa, 2023 QX50 from 3.49%, or a 2023 QX60 from 2.99%, because as they say, it's all good at Applewood. It was pretty good for the Vancouver Canucks as they get a single point. They would elect the extra one. The Rangers leave town with a four-game win streak after a 4-3 victory over the Canucks. Tuesday, it's Nashville in town. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Canucks fall 4-3 to the Rangers Saturday at Rogers Arena. The goal scorer is JT Miller up to five now on the season. So offensively off to a, a very nice start. Tyler Myers with his second. This is a guy that only scored once all of last season. Myers is up to two. And Carson Soucy with his second uh, he's becoming Mr. Saturday Night. Uh, didn't play that yeah. first Saturday game in Edmonton, but he scored 
the power play goal in Florida last Saturday and here against the Rangers. So Carson Soucy and Tyler Myers with third period goals, unlikely suspects for the Vancouver Canucks. But right now they'll take offense from just about anybody because it can't always be Patterson, Hughes, Miller, Bessers had a strong start to the season as well. But they really are missing that secondary scoring from their forward group. And I know Anthony Bovillier got an assist on the Susi goal, so it's something for mm-hmm. him. And we've been waiting for something, anything for Anthony Bovillier. And Connor Garland doing a nice job standing his ground in front of the net. Not the biggest guy in the world, but you talked about going to the net. Like, Connor Garland, Car- it, that can't be overlooked. But- Garland makes part of the play. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure Susi scores if Garland doesn't go to the net and position himself where he is and become a thorn in the side of Igor Shosturkin and the New York Rangers defense. Also wanted to mention this. He's taken a ton of heat this year, and rightfully so. I thought Tyler Myers was pretty darn good tonight, Jeff. He plays 18 minutes and 23 seconds. He scores the goal. He finishes a plus one. He leads the team with three block shots. So, you know, tonight was not a night for the chaos draft. Tonight was one of the nights where Tyler Myers helped you. Bavillier, his first point of the season, and God knows... He was overdue, I mean, to have one point in eight games here for a guy who... Well, he didn't score in the preseason. He no, I know. So and... Suter now remains the one forward without a point for the Vancouver Canucks. And you and I were both talking in the third period before Beauvillier gets on the score sheet. Boy, they are so quiet. I mean, there is just not a lot going on in the opponent's end of the ice when Pius Suter and Anthony Beauvillier are on the ice. And, and let's face it, Dakota Joshua scores on opening night when everybody was getting in on the action 8-1. He doesn't have a point since. So no, I didn't think you're was, getting, and I don't think he's been very good of late and, and wasn't very good tonight. No, and the, and um, the shots were 5-1 for the Rangers at even yeah. strength when Joshua is out on the ice. Like, so you're getting zero from a quarter of your forwards right now in terms of Beauvillier, Suter, yeah. and Joshua. Homelander had the flash down the left side yeah, where but, he walked around Schneider, late in the first period, but remember the, the icing at the tail end of the second that oh. they were under siege and the clock's winding down and with four seconds left, the ice is like... It's just a bad situational yeah. play. Yeah. He's got to understand. I think it was McKayev who had been out there for two plus minutes yep. when he iced the puck. I mean, if he just... I'll use the talkatism. If he eats that puck, um, they get into the break without having to you know, win a face-off and sustain a last flurry from the New York Rangers. But... You know, the Canucks going into this hockey game, Jeff, had to feel good about five and two. But if you looked deeper, it was still a lot of chances, still a lot of shots and getting absolutely nothing from a quarter of your forward group. And let's face it, not a whole lot from the bottom six in its entirety. So those were sorts of things that you wondered, when were they going to rear their head and cost them? And, you know, I think you can make a case that some of those elements cost them here tonight. Yeah, and I think Sam Lafferty's been decent for the Canucks yep. as a pickup, but it wasn't a great night for him. Didn't notice him much. Joshua, we talked about the penalty early and just not a whole lot happening for him. Uh, I don't notice him as a big physical presence. He got in a fight on opening night, but yeah, I don't see him using his body terribly effectively. And he is one of, if not the biggest forwards that they have. Now, in saying all of that and the fact that, yes, it's true, they're not getting a lot of offensive production from the bottom of the lineup, clearly... Like Rick Tockett's got options come overtime, and Garland and Beauvillier, I yeah. think that's a nod to the fact that the effort was there. Especially in the third in period. The third period. Especially yes. in the third period. I, yeah. I'm not sure if they don't have a better third period, I'm not sure they get that shift 
in overtime, but noted that as well. And in fact, Garland has been played in some high leverage situations this year. So clearly it's not just about the point totals or lack thereof for Connor Garland. The other thing I want to note here tonight, Jeff, the Vancouver Canucks maintain second place in the Pacific division. The Los Angeles Kings get a point against Vegas, but they lose in a shootout. Vegas now eight Oh, and one, but a win from the Kings would have tied them with Vancouver on points in fact, tied them with the exact same record at 5-2-1, and one, but wasn't meant to be. So Vancouver sits there still in second place in the division. I think we can all wave goodbye to Vegas. They're going to go <laughs> run on out. And Enjoy your season. Defending Stanley <laughs> Cup champion are going to win this division, I would suspect. And as we talked about on Sakaris and Price this week, I mean, you're already looking. San Jose, forget about it. You know they're already done. So we've uh, eliminated one team in terms of not going to make the playoffs. We've got one team that's going to go run away and hide. So we've got a condensed group there of six teams in the Pacific that'll be fighting for at least two and uh, maybe more playoff spots when it's all said and done. Yeah, the Sharks on your Bodog line. The Canucks see the Sharks three times in the month of November. San Jose's not going to lose every game. So some minefields there uh, in the month of November where they see the San Jose Sharks. But uh, right now the Canucks have to see that as opportunity and they can't worry about the Sharks. They're there on Thursday night, but they have Nashville up next on Tuesday. All right, we always like to do the stat that stands out here on each and every episode of Rink Wide. Uh, going three for six on the power play for the Rangers or three for six on the penalty kill for the Canucks in a 4-3 loss. That stands out to me, but I'm going back to Elias Patterson, and I just want to scratch the surface a little deeper on his ice time again. A career high for him at 27.03. What was the previous career high? 25-17. Oh, wow. So he almost two minutes. He obliterates. Almost two minutes, yeah. And that was late last season in Nashville. So he played 804 the first period, 832 of the second, 826 of the third. So pretty even across the board there. And then 201 of overtime. Overtime lasted three minutes and 48 seconds. So he was out for more than two minutes of overtime. That all adds up to 2703 uh, by strength of game here, even strength, 13 minutes and 34 seconds, 940 on the power play and 349 while shorthanded. Yeah, I mean, he plays in all phases. This was a night where there was a ton of special teams time. And in fact, uh, it's almost an even split between even strength and then special teams, uh, the way it all broke down. So he can't have many nights like that. Uh, you know, he can do it early in the season where he's got some energy in reserve, day off tomorrow, as we heard from the coach. Uh, but I don't think you want to be running your best player out there. I mean, Tockett ran into that down the stretch last year where he overplayed his best players, so I don't think this can become a regular thing. But again, in the absence of supporting cast, stepping up, they're down, uh, needing some offense late in the third period, it's not a surprise that he turned to Elias Pettersson and played him as much as he did. But I'm telling you now, 27.03 is definitely a stat I mean, that stands It's up. a defenseman's total. Exactly. Yeah. No. I don't think you'll see that I again. I concur with everything, Jeff. But, uh, yeah. Put it this way. If you get to the playoffs, riding your stars yeah. to that level, yeah, I don't suspect you'll last long in the playoffs because you'll have spent so much of them simply getting there. Well, high ice time can be a problem. High interest rates certainly are a problem. And uh, we know yeah. that if uh, you need some advice, don't go it alone against uh, the bank's 
This is where you need somebody like Jason Hominick on yeah. your side. And an announcement this week on interest rates. And if you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution. You keep that great rate. You access the equity without touching your mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find our guy Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. Hey, look, we look at everything. This is why we do rink-wide. I mean, it's a comprehensive breakdown. He's been incredible. And last night against St. Louis was amazing yet again. But we should touch on the fact that moments before the New York Rangers scored the 3-2 goal, Quinn Hughes had a chance to clear the zone. And when we talked earlier mm-hmm. about you know self-inflicted wounds, there were a few through this hockey game. And not for lack of trying. I mean, Quinn Hughes, again, is captivating when he has the puck on his stick and just the confidence and the command of the game right now. This was not his best of the season. I think last night may have been, and there have been mm-hmm. others that are in that conversation. They're not all going to be artwork. But whether you're Quinn Hughes or anybody on the penalty kill, when you get the chance, get it out of the zone. He didn't, and it wound up in the back of the net. But you know, saying that, Andre Kuzmenko, I mean, people would have been dressing up like they might still, like Koozie for Halloween here. But the breakaway <laughs> in overtime would have been an incredible way to put a dagger wow. in the Rangers. And it's not just the breakaway in overtime. He's got two other glorious chances yeah. in overtime. Absolutely undresses uh, a New York Ranger. I believe it was Vincent Trocek. And then gets a chance right in front. Gets his own rebound chance. Still unable to beat Shesterkin and the breakaway as well. So, yeah, there are missed opportunities on the offensive and the defensive side of this game tonight for the Canucks, but they get their point. They're still second place in the division. You've gotten points now in four straight, right, including the three-game winning streak heading into this one with a beatable opponent here on Tuesday. And then, let's face it, not a very scary road trip to San Jose Thursday. So, Coach is happy. He likes the resolve. He likes the effort. Likes the penalty kill even outside of the five on three. Still a lot of things that are turning up Vancouver Canuck here. Yeah, just stay out of the penalty box, uh, play more of the game at five on five. And uh, I think they very well could have been a different result for the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday night. That's going to do it for us here. Rinkwide is a presentation of Bodog, Canada's choice for casino games, poker tips, and sports odds. For Matt, I'm Jeff. As always, we do this after each and every one of the Vancouver Canucks 82 regular season games. And hey, they pick up enough points. We'll be there come playoff time as well. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, It's an off day for the Vancouver Canucks. It's an off day for many, I would think, on Sunday. So enjoy the day off. We'll be back with another edition of Rinkwide on Tuesday after the Canucks and Predators. As always, thanks so much for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver.